The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello there, and welcome to Circling the Bases, a baseball podcast from NBC Sports Edge. With me today is my good friend, Colin Henderson. Colin, I rarely congratulate people when there is somebody who loses a job, but as a Giants fan, congratulations, buddy. They made the right decision. I am so happy for you, sir. The last 48 hours has been a real roller coaster for me. Like when I got the initial reports from Josiah Anderson saying, like, he's expected to stay, and then. First off, they let Gettleman retire, which everyone in New York is is furious <laughs> yeah. about. If, I, if I'm god-awful at my job, I don't get to retire and move off into the sunset at the end. I got a pink slip and they kick me out the door. That's how this works. So we had that, and then they said Judge was staying. And then he started meeting all the players and talking to them about next year. And then he went to the ownership for like 48 straight hours and then finally get the call. And – like 10 pounds came off of me on that front. Like, thank you. Let's start this process with a new GM and coach at the same time. Let's not go through the same problems that we've gone through for the last eight years. Oh. It's been hard to be a giant fan for the last decade since 2011, since that Super Bowl. And maybe, just maybe, we've taken the first step. Brian Flores, give yeah. me a call. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That would be the first name that I would give me call a call, to. Brian Flores. I think I tweeted it was ridiculous that Brian Flores was losing his job and it looked like Joe judge was going to keep his. I, I keep replaying that quarterback sneak on, on third down. And I, I mean, I I've never seen anything quite as inept of that, but we'll talk about football a little bit just for a second in the middle of our show in one of my brilliant ad reads. But before I do introduce a very special guest that we have today, we have a special offer for our listeners. Subscribe to NBC sports edge plus and get every tool for every game. Now that's fantasy, that's DFS, that's betting premium tools, and that's all included in one subscription at low price. And if you want to do it annually, you can even subscribe for a 20% annual subscription, 20% off that is. We've made it easier than ever with more tools than ever to play and wager with confidence with NBC Sports Edge Plus. So today's guest, he's one of my favorites. He covers the Dodgers for SB Nation and True Blue LA. He is also the undisputed pun king champion of baseball Twitter. Please welcome my good friend, Eric Steven. Eric, how are you doing today? Very good, Chris. Uh, thanks. And, and Chris and Colin, thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's our, it's our pleasure. So we had a little bit of breaking news happen right before we were about to start recording our podcast. And by right before, I mean about six hours. But 
So John Lester retired, and John Lester had a heck of a career. I, I told the story before that he's the only Major League Baseball player who's ever dunked on me in a summer league game, which was a very fun anecdote that I got to tell for a long time. But as a member of the Baseball Writers Association of America, and as someone who I believe will have a Hall of Fame vote pretty soon if he doesn't have one already, Eric, is John Lester someone that you think you're going to have to consider for a Hall of Fame vote when that time comes? So you brought this up, and I think my timeline might line up exactly with his now. Oh, wow. It's either a, either that or a year. I think I'm about five years from getting mine, so mm. getting my vote. But yeah, that's I, I was thinking about this. I was convinced, you know, 15 years ago or whatever that CC Sabathia was going to get to 300 wins, and I thought because sure. everyone's saying no one's going to get 300, I'm like, but he's he was so young, and he's and then once he didn't get it, I was like, well, nobody's getting it anymore, and so that's kind of went away. But mm-hmm. and I know Lester finished exactly at 200. Not saying that's the same, but you know, at least in terms of like reaching a milestone, he has that sort of that cachet. He's like a proven winner. I, I don't. I guess I, I'm looking forward to that discussion because he seems like someone who was always excellent, even if you know maybe the mm-hmm. career war or whatever doesn't line up. It just seems like he was sure. he was pretty great for a long time and you know at the biggest times like his his postseason numbers are impeccable and so yeah like i i'm actually looking forward to that if if i do get the chance to to vote and he's still on the ballot colin what say you honestly lester's an interesting one for me again three world series you can't take anything away from that he's the face of you know you can put him on the face of the red sox you can put him on the face of the cubs like when you're talking about when we have the Hall of Fame conversation, so much of it is about, like, did you make your mark on the sport? Are we going to mention your name a decade from now when we're talking about the aughts or the 2010s or whatever? And John Lester, I think, is right in that conversation. I think this is going to be a really kind of close one. I think this is one of those guys that might be to, like, year six, year seven, maybe need a little bit of help to kind of get up to that 75% threshold. He's not going to give you those like I said, ends with exactly 200 wins, not going to give you the classic counting stats that so many people are used to seeing, never a gigantic strikeout guy, never a big K-9 guy, which I think a lot, which might ding him amongst voters. So, And certainly not a first balloter or anyone in that conversation. There's going to be a lot of really good people retiring probably over the next couple of years. Could that fill it up a little bit? But I think at the end of the day, Lester gets in. And I usually try and avoid the if X is in, then Y needs to be in conversation. Cause I think we use that way too much when we're talking about Hall of yeah. Fame voting. Sure. But, you know, Musina, like Mike Musina, seems like a good kind of, I and mean, Musina didn't have any of the kind of postseason accolades that Lester had, but he had, you know, probably about 60, I think, more wins than he had. And, you know, didn't have only had one 20 win season, all the rest. I see, I feel like those two had a kind of, I can see those being comparable players sure. into getting into the hall, kind of taking a little bit of time on the ballot, but eventually getting in at the end. Yeah, I think it's really close. And I will say this. I think that the fact that he overcame what he did early in his career with the cancer thing is something that stands out to me too. And whether or not that's something that I should be thinking about for a Hall of Fame player or not, I don't know. But it is something that would stand out to me because you mm-hmm. know he he did overcome that and then go on to have – at a time, a pretty dominant, like in 2010, this guy did lead the league in strikeouts per nine and had 
did the thing that really I think is going to hurt him, and whether or not this is fair either, is that he does have three top five Cy Young Award finishes, but never won it, and only came second once in that 2016 season. So it's going to be an interesting case, I think. But John Lester is somebody who made an awful lot of money and probably isn't thinking about that type of stuff from from the many people I've talked to about John Lester. I don't think it's going to be a huge thing on his mind, but I do think it's going to be an interesting one to to bring up, which brings me to a guy who is a no doubt Hall of Famer. And since Eric is a guy who covers the Dodgers and knows them as well as anybody, um, way better than Fabian. I just have to say that like from the, from, from the beginning now. I have a lot of really good writers, but Eric's certainly one of the best. But a guy who is no doubt going into the Hall of Fame is Max Scherzer, a guy who spent only a half a season with the Dodgers, but really made his mark, was just absolutely dominant with them. Going to be a member of the Mets, and we talk about this Dodgers pitching staff a lot on this show because there's just so many guys to talk about. But that being said, when you look at the staff right now, just how big of a loss is Max Scherzer for the Dodgers? The the lockout, one of the, like, I guess there's a lot of bad things about the lockout, but the yeah. fact that, like, every roster is frozen. So, like, you know, the offseason takes time and, mm-hmm. you know, different points of the season, but... The Dodgers are going on now six weeks of not having a full rotation and you're just staring at it the whole time. And like having Max Scherzer, like that big piece at the top, just losing it, like that's rough. I mean, it's it's hard to complain, right? Like they have, like if, if nothing else happens, right? Walker Bueller, Julio Urias at the top. That's, that's pretty great. It's hard to argue with that. And then, you know, some combination of, Andrew Haney, Tony Gonsolin, I, that's where that's and then that's it. <laughs> now that's where it gets hard, right? So then it's just like yeah. can, Dustin May eventually all this stuff, but yeah, losing Scherzer like it really puts the focus. I think once things start up again, that they do have to absolutely address that that starting rotation. So, but yeah, he was. I mean, he was so good, and it's just it was unfortunate the way it ended like with his sort of arm fatigue in the NLCS because like they had, you know, Bueller and Urias were both gassed and from like far exceeding their highest career inning totals, plus coming off a short season. So you basically had three pitchers that they were, they had to rely on Mm -hmm. and they were, they were all just kind of done at that point. So it was, it just, it was, it was kind of, it was tough to watch. Yeah, blame the Giants for that one. They, I, kn- I know they were supposed to get pushed to the finish line in the NL West by the Padres, but the Giants pushed them all the way there, really prevented some of those guys getting to skip a start towards the end, maybe trying to have a little bit more gas for that World Series run. When we talk about, obviously, the starting rotation, and we're talking about the Dodgers, there is that looming cloud that is Trevor Bauer out there. Now, obviously, we know what the story is behind him. We don't need to hash out those details. But from a financial standpoint, obviously, his contract, which I think is about $40 million on average, if, he, if, the, if the Dodgers are on the hook to pay that this year, how much is that affecting their offseason plans, kind of not really still knowing exactly what or how or if he will be on the roster come next year? Yeah, he, he's the big sort of like you mentioned that cloud literally looming over a lot of stuff, both I like, I, I have, I don't know suspension or no, he's, he already missed the last 81 games of last season. Who knows what's going to happen once MLB like decides what they're going to do. 
But like, even if whether he's suspended or not, like you wonder, even if he's not going to be a Dodger, the Dodgers are going to, if they like just want to get rid of him. And I don't know if that's the case. Mm -hmm. His CBT number, his average is 34 million. So, but, and they're like right now, I was just super rough back of the napkin stuff. They're at like 227 million, including that for next year. So if a suspension eats into that, like it takes that, but like they don't have a complete team. So they, they're already in that, like, we don't know what the, the luxury tax thresholds are going to be, but, like, that's – it's fair to assume that's going to be a, a very taxable number. And so it just sort of – it doesn't li- necessarily limit them. It just makes everything they want to do, like, a little more expensive. Like, you know, regardless of – they're going to be on the hook for some portion of his salary almost no matter what they do. Either he gets suspended so it gets trimmed a little bit or – they they end up like say releasing him and then just eating the rest so or whatever but it, it's it's definitely there's a cost there like uh, no matter what so one of the names that I kind of forgot about and I had to Google to make sure he was actually a free agent to, before I asked you this question was they did make that trade for Danny Duffy do you think Duffy is a potential return to the Dodgers or do you think Andrew Heaney is kind of that pitcher who was going to fulfill that role that Duffy was going to have. So it wouldn't surprise me if Duffy was back, although I believe Andy McCullough at The Athletic talked to Duffy and he, his flexor tendon, you know, he was worried about not possibly having to retire. But now uh, he's, I think he had a procedure on that in October. He's not expected to be ready to pitch until like June. So like, even if he like he wouldn't surprise me if he came back to the Dodgers and they tried to do the same thing again, where you get him rehabbed and then he'll contribute in some fashion down the stretch. Cause they just like to, you, you never know. Like it, it's amazing how many you, you always, you always need more arms than you think you need. Like, so it's just, sure. So m- maybe, and he, you know, he grew up a Dodger fan. So maybe since he didn't get to see it through, maybe you can see that sort of connection, but yeah, like he's more of a down the road type thing, if anything. That makes sense. I, I think that the Heaney signing is one that's really interesting just because, one, it came, came kind of completely out of nowhere that he was kind of the first arm. I always think it's Eduardo Rodriguez, but I believe Heaney was like that first player to actually sign a major league contract. You talked about also Dustin May, and they also have Tony Gonsolin. So do you think the Dodgers feel comfortable enough with the arms that they still have, or do you think that this is definitely going to be an outsourcing to replace at least one of these starters? Yeah, they're they have. To, I would say they have to add at least one like impact starter. Like not, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be someone who would start in the postseason. That would be preferred, but like sure, and it might they might have to do two depending on you know how they're sort of looking at it, but. Yeah, I think they would probably be okay if they sit if if they sign one more like big starter, say a third starter or whatever, and then just go into the season with Haney and Gonsolin, four and five. Then you have Mitch White and Andre Jackson backing them up, and then May after the All Star break. But then you know you and then they're sort of waiting to see like Bobby Miller, all the prospects like Landon Knack, those guys. They're going to contribute at some point. But I, you know, not early. So like, you, you you sort of have to take that into account too. But I, I think it's almost guaranteed that they're going to have to get someone else. Like once once the off season starts again. 
when we're talking about arms, I mean, and we're talking about, let's also talk about the bullpen for a second here. Obviously, Kenley Jansen was, has been a rock at the back end of that bullpen for quite a few years now. And really the, the bullpen, especially towards the end of last year, really became a, a real shining spot on that Dodgers team as they were trying to make that World Series run. Obviously, Jansen is a free agent at the moment, right? He hasn't signed. I'm trying to remember right. now. It's been it's yeah. been so cold out there that I have to remember for a hot second. 84 years, Titanic yeah. voice. Exactly. So <laughs> if you were talking going into next year, I remember Tommy Canely should hopefully be back for next year. He's kind of a, a full upside guy there. They have Trinan. Who is – how do you envision the back end of that bullpen kind of looking when we start getting closer to spring training? Yeah, so Trinan is like – probably the number one guy if they if they were going to have pick like one closer and but they still like him doing you know multiple inning type things and and then but they they signed daniel hudson mm-hmm. gotcha. in addition to canely they also have caleb ferguson those were like the dueling rehab guys last year but on from tommy john <laughs> surgery and so it, you know expecting at least one of those guys to contribute i would say and then you you sort of have the the young group, like there's Bruce Dar Gratterall. And then yeah. they, they have like all these, like Victor, it's weird. Victor Gonzalez was so good in 2020 and he was not as effective, but also kind of hurt last year. So you're wondering like, is he going to be healthy and effective, but it's relievers. So like, you never know with these guys. So I think they're just going to try to go with the volume thing, but they actually have like a, a pretty decent amount. Like it wouldn't surprise me if they got one more reliever and it could, it it might be bringing back Kenley, although that would be a very expensive way to sort of shore up the bullpen. But Mm -hmm. um, just given that, you know, if if we're talking about Dodgers focusing on bringing back franchise icon pitchers, Kenley Jansen is certainly one of them they could (laughs) consider. So like you, you could see that. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial day savings at the home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40-volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So we are gearing up for Wild Card Weekend, and the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet has you covered with Sunday Night 7, and we're going to give you a shot to win $1 million twice this weekend. It starts on Saturday by predicting what will happen between the Raiders and Bagels in Cincinnati. And then another $1 million is up for grabs during the Steelers-Chiefs matchup. By the way, I can predict that one real easy Sunday night. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com predictor for more information. In case you can't tell, 
I think the Steelers Chiefs is going to be a molly whopping, but that will, that's why they play the games. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. I, I'm sure next week, Eric, Chris Taylor is back, which is the something that kind of surprised me. I kind of expected Chris Taylor maybe to be landing with a new organization, kind of wondering if the Mariners would have been, would have been that team to uh, kind of write one of the worst trades in terms of result and did not very good in process either, but he's back, I believe on a four year, $60 million contract. Obviously, a lot of versatility there, but I do wonder, now that Chris Taylor is being paid a, not that he was going broke by any means uh, with his previous contract, but with a little bit more of an established contract, do you think that means a more established role, or do you think he's going to be that same guy who's playing all over the place? I I think he's going to still play all over the place, just because he seems to be kind of comfortable in that role. Mm-hmm. And it's it's sometimes hard to find people to to sort of embrace that. You know, they want like Trey Turner last year. Not that it's not the same situation, but you know, he's a shortstop. He comes over. They have Seager. They asked him like, wh- where where would you be comfortable playing? Because he had center field and second base experience. And they were kind of needing a lot, and he said he'd prefer to stay on the infield. So they didn't pursue it later in the year when they needed a center fielder when Bellinger was hurt. They didn't like pursue that with Turner, but like with Taylor, he's just like, whatever they need me, like I, it's fine, you know, like whatever. And and like, but he's, I I was also a a little surprised he came back, but I think almost it's weird to say this, but after Seager signed with Texas, they were, I think he, um, Taylor almost became more of a must sign. Sure. Not that he's not that it's a one-to-one thing, but it's just like everything the Dodgers do it sort of relies on mm-hmm. versatility, and they obviously they lost Kike Hernandez, you know, to, last off season, and right. then to to have to absorb that blow again, like, and and not have a versatile guy, you're you're, you're more locked in, like to every like everything they do is made easier by Taylor and like possibly Gavin Lux, it, who they tried to sort of shoehorn into that later in the season too. Right. So, yeah, I. I think it, no matter what, like he's whatever position he's going to play, he's going to end up like second or third on the team in like plate appearances. So like playing time is never going to be an issue because he's always going to play. It's just a matter of where, you know. You talked about Gavin Lux, and I know this has been one of the guys that Chris has been ranting and raving about for years. We've all kind of been waiting for Gavin Lux to kind of be the Gavin Lux that so many people have projected for really since he was a draft pick. But now, obviously, going into this year with Seager off the table and now Turner moving back over to short and second base suddenly becoming kind of a position of need. But Chris Taylor has obviously been re-signed. He can man that position if you really need him to. How much pressure is on Gavin Lux this year year specifically, knowing that, you know, there's just a lot of great Dodgers on that roster and not always enough to feed them all? Yeah, I think... So he's kind of an, another key for the Dodgers. Like they can't, I mean, they could, they could have an exp, like an expensive player at every position. Right. But it, they would probably prefer not to. And so having like a productive player who's going to earn like a relative pittance for like the next five years or however they rejigger the system and, uh, with the new CBA, like I think ha- having right. Lux in, in that group, Right. making like you know seven hundred thousand instead of twelve million 
like goes a long way into sort of team building. So I, I mm-hmm. think they're still like pretty high on him. He has, I don't want to use the term disappointing. It's just, I think the the last few years, like the Dodgers, I, I mean, they're, they're certainly spoiled because, you know, Seager comes in, he was consensus number one prospect and he was right away. Great. Like just awesome out of the box. The next year, mm-hmm. Bellinger, high, very highly rated, not consensus number yeah, one, right. but also great immediately. And then even like Jock Peterson was awesome, like to start. And mm-hmm. and it's like you you know it, that you almost expect that at some point. You're right. like, wait a minute, like why isn't he great right now? So I think as long they're they're going to be a little patient with him. But I think moving him around last year, I think the outfield was it wasn't disastrous might be the wrong word but it was a rough it was a rough transition but i think they like his athleticism and so like if he can you know play around and and you know maneuver around like that could be better for him if things don't work out at second but just him like grabbing second base and taking over is probably the best case scenario for the team but uh, and for him but i i like i think they like to keep their options open yeah i'll just say this gavin lux is a guy that i am rostering in every format that I can, because I think the breakout is happening just mainly because the eye test as a prospect guy, he's impressed me for a long time. But like, if you look at his metrics, he was much better than those numbers suggest, like in the 73rd percentile and walk rate for a 24 year old that doesn't have a ton of AAA experience, I think is really impressive. Average exit velocity in the 61st percentile, expected batting average in the 62nd percentile, which shows you as a guy who hit 242, that he did not have a lot of luck, but just as my, and you know, if this ends up on freezing cold takes, it means that's cool. Freezing cold takes, listen to our podcast, but it, it, I am just like the breakout for Gavin Lux. I am very, very sure, unless it doesn't happen. Uh, very, very sure that that breakout season is coming in 2022. Well, plus Chris is pot committed at this point. Like yeah. you've, we've, we've been, you've been touting him up yeah. for, for yeah. three years since yeah. I've known you. So yeah, like, yeah I, I, at some point, this has to happen. Otherwise, sure. we're just going to be sitting here going like, "Yeah, next year, next and year, again, still, we'll have our little Byron Buxton conversation." Again. And again, the numbers are <laughs> were not great last year, but he was so much better than those numbers suggested. I, agree. I am I am willing to admit when I'm oh, yeah. uh, wrong on a prospect, or I will when it actually happens. But it, it does <laughs> it does seem like that. A guy speaking of guys who were great to coming coming up early on, and boy, really struggled for the most part last year. Got to ask you about Cody Bellinger because, mm-hmm. you know, really, really was a, a well below average offensive player for most of the season. But if you watched him in the postseason, he just looked not just like the like better. The most important thing is he looked so much healthier. He looked comfortable out there. Can fantasy managers rely on Cody Bellinger for the 2022 season in your humble estimation, sir? Yeah, so if you're looking at like Cody Bellinger's career numbers, I think if you if you sort of penciled in like a, a a 2018 production season from him, that's probably like a reasonable hope. And then w- with the possible upside of you know the other stuff that he's done, it, it just seems like sure. yeah, everything that could have gone wrong last year did. You're no, nobody's ever good like the season after a shoulder surgery, like your power is sapped. And we sort of saw that with him. So hard. And then like fifth game of the season, a blowout um, in Oakland in the ninth inning, running out a infield single. 
he gets stepped on and they didn't realize it was a broken leg until like a, like a week later and he missed a month and a half. And then he, Brutal. what did he missed? Um, he missed time. Uh, he injured his hamstring trying to avoid getting hit by a pitch. And then he, he mm-hmm. broke his ribs when Gavin Lux playing. And I believe his fifth professional game in the outfield collided with him. So like it, he was cursed, Switch man. Like it was, but so, but that said, oh, and also, he probably went through like thirty-seven swing changes during the season, trying to trying to figure it out. Like, <laughs> and and uh, but the thing is, like, he sort of found found something that worked. You talked about him being healthy in the postseason. I think a part of that was too. He just felt comfortable at the plate, and like that that was a big part of it. And also, he started to get like his strength in his shoulder back, and I think that's why you saw some of the the hits and the home runs like later in the year. And so like there is optimism on that regard. He He's another like it's sure. this weird thing of the lockout because, you know, you can't have any major league transactions now, but then like midway, like four weeks into the lockout, I, what Jeff Passan of ESPN reports that the Dodgers signed Bellinger avoiding arbitration right before the lockout. So all the people see on the Dodgers is, Dodgers signed 165 hitter to $17 million and nobody understands like <laughs> right. the arbitration thing. Well, like my, my brothers right. texted me. They're like, you know, just ripping this, like, you know, it's just the optics of it, I guess. And I, I said, I told sure. them, well, he, he hit 39 home runs one year and got paid 585,000. So like, nobody's complaining <laughs> yeah. about that, yeah. that way. so like, you know, it's just, we- it's just a, a weird, very weird time. But yeah, I think, I think he's going to be generally fine. Like even, even if he's like reasonable offensively and not obviously not even expected to be MVP level, his defense alone is worth like, like rostering in any way. So like he's going to be fine. I think a quick two part question here, obviously with we're talking about the CBA, we do not know and rosters freezing as we have them now. So obviously this is an incomplete question or at least an incomplete amount of data for us to ask this, but in a world where the universal DH is accepted and the Dodgers now suddenly walk into next year with a DH, how do you expect that to work out for them? Again, they could add some more people and change this conversation, but how prepared are they for that DH spot? So I I think they're actually in a pretty good spot. I do expect them to probably still go after like one at least semi-regular position player. Like even if it's like a Josh Harrison type, just to Mm -hmm. sort of fill out the bench. But I think you'll see a lot of what they did in 2020. Maybe not one person manning the DH. Like they're they're not going to have a Nelson Cruz. I mean, well, I guess technically they could sign Nelson Cruz, but, but that'd be amazing actually. But so I I think they're just going (laughs) to spread it around. Like they'll give, you know, what Justin Turner is 37. And like, so you could see a situation where he gets some days off. the The wild card that is Max Muncy right now, because we don't know how ready he's going to be because of his elbow. And yeah. like, so does he need sure. extra time yeah. at DH? Does you know Turner? So I think they're going to mix and match guys. AJ Pollock is like perpetually like almost hurt. He's been so productive the last like two plus years, but. Yeah, like yeah. I think they're just going to rotate those guys and, and like you know that kind of thing, but maybe not one set person. Do you think that the universal DH means a somewhere between 
substantial and super substantial <laughs> for a non-official term a plate appearances for will smith possibly oh yes because yeah i think they like his bat so much and and with good reason yes. that and they they also mm-hmm. really like austin barnes catching so like they they could do a situation where like yeah. i think they did in the in the playoffs Barnes started, I think, eight of the 18 playoff games in 2020, and Smith was DH in every single one, or maybe every one but one, because they had the seven seven NLCS days and seven or games in seven days, That's which right. is weird. Yes, but yeah, so I, I think for sure he he could see some time at DH just to get his bat in there. Yeah, that was the first player that I kind of thought of is that when this universal DH, and part of it's just because I'm just a massive fan of that guy's offensive ability, but. It, it seems like a natural fit for him to get as many plate appearances as possible. And it's why, in my rankings, I will have Smith, with all due respect mm-hmm. to Salvador Perez and JT Romuto, as the top catcher in baseball next year. Eric, thank you so much for doing this. Please promote anything and everything you're doing over at SB Nation. Oh, sure. Before before I do that, I just wanted to mention, since, since we didn't bring I only alluded to it. Clayton Kershaw was at Dirk Nowitzki's number retirement last week in Dallas. And obviously Kershaw lives in Dallas. The Rangers are like sort of swoop, trying to swoop in. Oh. And I, part, part of me was watching that thinking, what if Kershaw sees this and goes, man, Dirk played for one team, you know, like <laughs> I, obviously it's a family thing and the Dodgers have made it very clear they want him back. So I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I was just si- watching that thinking, maybe he's like, Hmm, that could yeah. be, me. you know, that kind of, so maybe that was the impetus that brings it back to the Dodgers. Who knows? But how yeah, weird I'm would at- that be, man? Like to see Clayton, yeah, Clayton yeah. Kershaw, and so Texas and the Dodgers do have kind of like a similar color scheme. So maybe it'd be sure. a little yeah. easier for me to see. But like, well, I was gonna I, say, I, I it hurt. It, I have no ties to the Dodgers whatsoever. But it would hurt me to see Clayton Kershaw wearing a different uniform. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I I tweeted this, and it was like. I would. It was definitely hyperbolic, but there's a little bit of truth to it. I said I think it's time to riot if the Dodgers let him get away. Yeah, but man. like that—that that was in my mindset. I'm thinking if the Dodgers like, like sort of grease the skids or you know make it easier for him to leave. They've made very clear, I think, that they want him to come back. I think he's literally right. he is weighing like he has four kids, including a new baby, wanting to stay home. The uh, Callie, his his oldest, is school age, so like. You know, it, they're it's it's players still travel even it, when they're home, but I, it's not nothing getting to play. You know, fifteen minutes from home, and especially when you're a pitcher and the days you're not pitching, you, you're you're more free than it. So I get that pull, but and then I've sort of always sort of dismissed the Rangers as he's not going to want to go to a non-competitive team. They're obviously way more competitive right. now than a month ago or whatever two <laughs> months ago for sure, but. Are they right. are they 2022 2023 good? And that's that's a hard hard, hard to say. Kershaw, right? Like so, I I still think it's overwhelmingly likely that he comes back to the Dodgers mm-hmm. unless he's so like enamored mm-hmm. with the idea of pitching at home. Yeah, I think that would be the pull. But like, <laughs> I I just think I I no longer I I think the Dodgers mm-hmm. have made it very clear their position and they're they're willing to bring him back. Like even we talked about the payroll stuff. There, I think Andrew Friedman even said, like, it's Kershaw, sure. like, we'll find a way, you know, like, he, he, he doesn't, he counts against the cap, but he doesn't count against the cap, you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. <laughs> right, sure. 
Well, actually, Eric, just kind of just to follow up on that, though, you mentioned like the Dodgers have made their kind of their point known. And, you know, I, I think we all take them at their word here. But obviously, Kershaw not getting a qualifying offer out of the spot, which I found just a little a little odd. Just, you know, usually it, that felt almost cursory more than anything else. And then obviously with the Dodgers and the with all of the one team and the backing and all the rest of that, plus their their money and the financials that they could theoretically throw out and the limits they can, you know, easily skip over. I mean, don't you feel kind of in a, in a lesser Freddie Freeman Braves conversation that this should have already happened, especially when Scherzer signed elsewhere. Yeah, And, and to bring up Freeman, I, he, he's sort of been brought up as like a, a potential like Dodgers waiting in the weeds type of thing. But yeah, absolutely shocked. Freeman didn't sign with the Braves by now. Ooh. Thought it would have happened a long time ago. Kershaw, mm-hmm. it was surprising they didn't give the qualifying offer, but I really do think it was more like they just didn't want to force his hand, you know, to make a decision. But like, so, and he he's also coming off the elbow thing. He's not going to have surgery, but his readiness at the very start of the season, it's up in the air. So like, I, I just think they didn't want to rush him. And I, I really think it was a courtesy, like, to be like, look, this is your call. Like, we're going to be here. But I think that's all that was. But yeah, it, but it's okay. it's definitely it's weird that it didn't happen. But I do wonder if like just the family stuff, like the right. I I forget when they I think they had the fourth child like very early December I want to say or right around there. So maybe it was like we'll just deal with this eventually. You know, like it wasn't it, it's not it wasn't as right. pressing. We're not going anywhere. That kind of conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, when he said cursory, how bad did you want to say more like cursory? Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I didn't want to interrupt. Uh, this is your guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> I would have allowed that. I would have put I would have halfway allowed that it was, So Eric, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now that now that, that is out of the way, we had to get one pun in this That's podcast. Right. Please promote anything and everything you're doing, sir. Yeah, it was like the shave and a haircut, and I'm over here like Roger Rabbit. Like, <laughs> so yeah, I'm on on Twitter at Eric Steven, uh, Eric with a C, Steven with a PH, and uh, you can just find my uh, work at True Blue LA. It's awesome stuff, Eric. Thanks again for joining us. That's gonna do it for this week. Again, you can follow Eric on Twitter at Eric Steven. You can follow Colin at Call Don't Lie, and you can follow me at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Next week, DJ and Drew will be joining by a very special guest, so be on the lookout for that. If you like what you're hearing, please rate the show. I know you can rate on Spotify now. I know you can rate on Apple now. Again, legally, five stars, only thing that's allowed in 2022, and it's very much appreciated. Thanks again. Hope everyone's staying safe, and enjoy the rest of your January. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40-volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, the Home Depot. How doers get more done. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 